Good morning. Good morning. Well, we are in the seventh week of our Give Me Jesus series. And uh, I've gotten a, a lot of, of good feedback uh, from this series from you, and, uh, and I, I appreciate that because I think it's very important, I think it's very important that we don't just be the people that casually like Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? You hear me? We can't be those kind of people. We have to be the people that love Jesus so much that we're willing to actually do what He says, right? Yeah, we have to be. That's what He is calling us to, and that's what we have been talking about for the, uh, for the last several weeks, and that's what we're going to look at for just, uh, for just a few more weeks. Well, last week was, a, uh, was, a, was an interesting week because we got into the third story in Luke 15. And it was, you know, what is commonly known as the prodigal son. Of course, that word prodigal, that's kind of a, a churchy word. Nobody really knows what it means. But it just means somebody who spends wildly, who spends lavishly. And that's exactly what, what that kid did according to the Scripture. And we know how the story went. He got all of his inheritance, rude, asked his dad for it, but his dad didn't balk. He cut him his inheritance and... The kid went off and he blew it all, and then he came home uh, expecting or, or hoping, hoping to just be a, a servant in his father's house. And as he got into that speech, you remember? As you get into that, he gets into that rehearsed speech, the father runs out and, and, and greets him. Not greets him, throws his arms around him, hugs him, kisses him welcomes him home. The father is always on the look, always on the lookout for people who have lost their way. How many of us have lost our way at times? Isn't it good to know that God was always looking for us? And He's always ready for us to come home. You know, and there's been a lot of times... There have been a lot of times where we've wandered off. We've been like the lost sheep, and we just wandered away. God was ready to bring us back, ready to, to, to hold us close, ready to bring us to our senses, and that's what we need. We need God to, to bring us to our, our, our senses. Well, I love, the, I love the first half of this story. You know, it's, it's great because... You know, it, it's wonderful to imagine the sinner. He's gone off. He's done all of these horrible things. And, you know, if, if we were writing the story, or if it was us, you know, then it would probably be really bad when we came home. But that's not the way it goes in the story because Jesus portrays the Father as welcoming this kid. And it's such a great story to think about, man, this sinner, this wayward sinner coming home and, being wrapped up in the arms of grace, that makes us feel good, right? Why does that make us feel good? Because you know, just as I know, that we need that grace just as much as that guy did, right? That's what makes us feel really good about the story. And man, how great would the story have been if Jesus just ended it there? It would have been incredible because there's this huge celebration that takes place. Everybody is, is happy. 
Or so we think. But Jesus carries the story on a, a little further. And he introduces us to the, the third character in that story. And it's this part of the story, the, the older brother, that man, this isn't really the fun part of the story. In fact, this is the difficult part of the story. Because if you're anything like me, while I can relate to being the little brother a little bit, man, I can really relate to being the older brother. You know what I'm talking about? And not just because I'm an older brother, but because I have been like this older brother. For the last four weeks, we've done sort of a mini-series within the overall Give Me Jesus series. And it has been based around the opening two verses of, of Luke 15. And so let's just look at these verses again. Luke 15, 1 and 2 says, All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them you know that was our that was our jumping off point a few weeks ago right there those two verses and we jumped backward into chapter 14 and we looked at the the two different uh banquet parables that jesus told and the the exhortation there is that the table is open for everybody you know jesus love is for all people okay and and some people are invited but there are going to be other people that are not. You know, the people that are invited, some of them are going to come and some of them are not because they got too much other stuff going on in their life. they got other distractions or they got other priorities or they've, uh, their, their focus is on something else or, or, or uh, a relationship with Jesus is important, but it's, you know, it, it's the same importance as, as ball or travel or job or family or anything else. It's important, but it's everything else shares the, the same value of importance, okay? And so what Jesus was saying is, look, we'll kick open the doors and you go out into the highways. You go find people, okay? Dirty people, whoever they are, and you bring them in, okay? Because this feast has been prepared and somebody's got to come eat it. So go get whoever you can get and bring them in. And that's, that's an evangelistic message to us that we cannot sit here Okay? We can't sit here in empty seats or surrounded by empty seats. That stings, doesn't it? Let that one just, let's just let that one soak down on us for just a minute. We can't sit surrounded by empty seats. We, and when I say we, let me, let me do it like this. We, we have to go out and bring people to Jesus. Does that make sense? That's what following Jesus is about. If we're just showing up and listening, guess what? We're just like the people in the crowds in John 6. And eventually... Gonna be like, eh, that's too difficult. That's too difficult. I'm gonna go somewhere else where I can just, just be fine. I can just listen, won't be challenged. And you can find places like that. 
But God forbid this is never one of them. We don't want to become stagnant in our faith. We want to keep going. We want to keep progressing. And so Jesus tells those parables. Okay, and that would scandalize the Pharisees. Okay, because Jesus is drawing those very kinds of people that he's just told them to go get. He's drawing those kinds of people. And they think, well, Jesus is a prophet. He should know that these people are unclean. He should know what kind of, 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 of people that they are. He shouldn't be associating with them. I mean, he's going to claim to be the Son of God. And it's then that he tells the three stories in, in Luke 15. He talks about the lost sheep and he talks about the lost coin and how their owners searched and, and, and brought them back. And then he talks about the lost son. But really when you look at the story, you realize that there's more than one lost son in this story. There's really two lost sons. And that's what Jesus is trying to get. You know, this, this story especially the second half. It's, it's not about an older brother who doesn't get the recognition, recognition he deserves for his faithful service. Okay, now I've had people try to argue that with me before. Okay, they've tried to say, but yeah, I know what you're saying, but this guy should be commended for what he did. All right, now, okay, we'll, we'll commend him for maybe some good things, and we'll talk about that maybe in a few minutes. But that's not what this story is about remember everything that kicked off all of these stories is the fact that Jesus is drawing sinners tax collectors and broken people to him and the religious people don't like it okay they don't like that he's drawing fringe people you know what I've seen modern day church people not here but I've seen modern-day church people react the same way. You start drawing what's called an element. We don't want that element here. Why don't we? Jesus wants them. And we're the people of Jesus, right? We have to long to see all people, just as God longs to see all people come to repentance, right? You with me? That's tough. Yeah? But that's what he calls us to. And so we start looking at the, the older brother, and again, man, I can relate, I can relate to this older brother because I still slip into older brother mode a lot of times, okay? And that's why I'm so grateful that, that this story is, is in there. So let's start, uh, let's start reading together. Luke 15, let's start in verse 25. The sons come home, the party's going on, it's been this great reunion. Now verse 25, it says, Now his older brother was in the field, and as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, summoned one of the servants, and he asked him what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then, then he became angry and he didn't want to go in. You're throwing a party with this guy? Of course I'm angry. You're back. Yeah. 
Your teacher knows you're here? Yeah. You have a microphone yeah. that's on? Yeah. Okay. Just for, for my sake, how many more of these little interruptions can I expect? Well, Mom said your sermons could use a little help. <laughs> what? 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 Yeah. Mom said what? Mom said your sermons could use a little help. Mom says my sermons could use a little. It's convenient that she's not in here right now. <laughs> I have her a spot saved on the front row. Okay, so, all right, so we saw the story last week. There was this really handsome kid that came out and played the, the younger brother. But now you're back and you're dressed quite differently and you're angry. So that must mean you're playing the older brother today, right? And you're angry? Yeah. Because why? Because my brother came back. But because your brother came back? Why? Yeah. You, you threw him a party and not me. Ah, we threw him a party. And, not, and so you're feeling offended by that? Yeah. Hmm. But in Scripture, it's much more serious. And it's much more severe. And it wouldn't have been a, a back and forth like that between the, the father and the son. Because what Luke tells us is that it said he became angry. As a matter of fact, he became so angry. So angry that he wouldn't even go into the party. Give Jackson a hand. He became so angry at his father, at his brother, that he won't go into the party. Because his dad, really what it comes down to is because his dad is using now his funds to throw a party for his brother. And you can imagine what he's thinking. You know, have you ever been in that kind of position where somebody has blown it and you know they've blown it and they've blown it bad and they deserve the consequences and all those things and somebody extends them grace? And if you're in older brother mode, there is nothing that will set you off quicker. You know what I'm talking about? That burns, man, when I've been like that, it burns me up. It burns me up. But you know what that's doing? It's revealing my heart. It's, it's showing that, that I don't have a grasp of the grace that I've received. I either don't have a grasp of the grace I've received, or worse, I've forgotten it. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? We forget about the grace that's been given to us, bestowed on us, that, that we don't deserve in the first place.
He's so angry he won't go in. But watch the end of verse 28. So his father came out and pleaded with him. You see the parallel there? In the first half of the story, what do we see the father doing? He is sitting and he is waiting. He is always on the lookout for his son to come home. And when he sees his son, what does he do? He runs to him. Throws the great big celebration. Older son comes in from the field. He's been working. Somehow word makes it inside to to the father that the older son is outside. He's angry. He's mad. And the father does the exact same thing for the older son that he did for the younger son. Just as he went out to the younger son who was returning, he goes out to the older son who is refusing to come in. And that too demonstrates the depth of the love of God. Because if that was me, I'd say... Stay out there and kick rocks for all I care. If you don't want to be here, I don't want you here. You ever had anybody say that to you? I have. What's worse is I've said that probably more times than I've had it said to me. That's what older brother mode says. That's how older brother mode acts. But the father in this story, he doesn't act like that. He goes out to he goes out to his son. And in verse 29 he says, "Look, I've been slaving many years for you. I have never disobeyed your orders." Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And we realize that right here with that attack on his father, this service has not been based so much around love and respect for his father. He stayed because of a sense of duty. And while duty and and obligation, those things are important and they matter, those cannot be the most important reasons. For following and loving God. Here because I have to. Here because it's the right thing to do. Well, it might be the right thing to do. But we've missed something if it's not about I'm here because there's no other place for me. And without Jesus, I'm lost. Without the love of God, I don't stand a chance. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I serve. That's why I do the things that I do. It's not because of recognition or reward or anything like that. The reason why I stay 
is because Jesus Christ stayed on the cross and God's love stays with me always. It's not merely about it's not merely about duty. You know, and I mean, according to, to, to verse 12, the Father and the Son, they've been working as, as partners. Father is eventually going to say, look, everything that I've got is yours. Do what you want with it. And this, you know, this, this older brother, I mean, he does have some good traits. I mean, he's a hard worker. He's obeyed his father. He's never disgraced his family or his, his village. I mean, compared to the younger brother, he's almost a saint. Because that's the problem. When we start comparing ourselves against other people, man, we've missed the standard. Okay, because it's easy for me, when, man, when, I'm, when I really mess up and I have a bad day, it's easy for me in order to justify my anger or whatever it might be or to justify my actions or just feel better about, about me as a person, it's easy for me to find somebody that I can deem inferior to me. Well, at least I didn't do this. At least I didn't do that. At least I didn't do this to my family and I haven't abused my wife and I haven't done these things. It's easy to start comparing ourselves, isn't it? But the only standard we have to compare ourselves to is Jesus Christ. Everything else is missing the mark. Everything else falls below, below that standard. And he goes on and he says this. He says, when this son yours, and that's, that's important, because when, the, when the, the son came in from the field, he asked what was going on, the servant said, your brother has come home. Your father's throwing a celebration for him. When the father comes out to the, to the older son, he launches into an attack on his dad, and he can't even bring himself to acknowledge that this is his own brother. He says, this son of yours. Not my brother. This son of yours. When he shows up, the one who has devoured your assets with prostitutes. Jesus made no mention of prostitutes in the first part of the story. Did you notice that? He made no mention of that. But you see, that's what an older brother, older sister heart does. When we're angry, when we're offended, when we're affronted, you know what we're tempted to do? We're tempted to fill in the gaps. You ever done that? I have. And we start assuming the worst about people. And we're called to something better. He says, when this son of yours who comes home, he's blown all your money on prostitutes. When he comes home, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. The father said, son, 
you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this, and notice what the Father does. He gently reminds him, this, this brother of yours. He is your brother. That's what, the, that's what Jesus is reminding the Pharisees. These tax collectors, these sinners, these people that you don't like, they are your brothers. They're your sisters. Just because they don't look like you, act like you, dress like you, smell like you, eat like you, they're still your family. That's a reminder for us as well. Our standard is not to compare ourselves against people who we deem inferior to us. They are our people. They're our brothers and sisters in mankind. And he says, so when this son or this brother of yours came home, we had to celebrate. Because he was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And now he's found. You know, and what we gain from that is, you know, there is a there's a condition. There's a condition that is, is worse than death. Did you know that? The condition that's worse than death is to be lost. Because death isn't the end. And for people that don't have the hope in Jesus Christ, that condition is far worse than death. But also, there's also a condition that is better than life. And that is to be found. Found by Jesus. Because again, it doesn't end at death. That's what Paul writes about in 1 Thessalonians. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. If we have Jesus, we don't have to grieve as those who don't have Jesus will grieve. Because we have hope. That no matter what happens, no matter what we deal with, no matter what Satan hits us with, that there is still something better. Oh, but guess what? There are people out there that don't have that hope. So guess what we have to do? We have to go out into the highways and the byways, and we have to invite them in. We have to show them the, the love of, of, of Jesus. Um, my, my good friend Johnny Brown, most of you know him. Uh, it's, it's just a, I don't want to say it's a coincidence because I think it's more than that, but it's a kind of a, a, a God thing. He's preaching this very same passage right now. Uh, and he split it just as I've split it. He preached the younger son last week and he's preaching the older son probably 
right now, and, and we were talking about this passage yesterday, uh, and he gave me a, a great perspective um, on really on, on all of chapter 15, and, and really chapter 14 too. This is what he says. He says, I love how Jesus sets us up with the first two stories. Of course, a shepherd goes after a sheep. And we would all look for money, lost money, right? Then he nails us all as the older brother. We can't be like the older brother. No, like any good storyteller, Jesus and then Luke who recorded the story. They just leave it open-ended. There's no resolution to it. We don't know how it ends. I mean, the great resolution to it would be that the father and the older brother, you know, they have this loving embrace and the older son recognizes, you know what, Dad, you're right, I'm sorry, and he repents, and they go in, and then there's the great reunion of these two brothers. Wouldn't that be a great story? Or, he gets so mad, he packs off and goes off on his own odyssey. And the sequel comes later on, that'd be a great story too. But we don't have either one of those. Why is that? Have you ever wondered about that? Maybe it's because we are supposed to think it through. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's because we're supposed to take a story like this and go home and wrestle with it. And look at the different points of view and see which one most matches our point of view. And here's the thing, if our point of view, if it matches up with the younger son, come run into Jesus. God's going to come run into you. But if it matches up with the older brother, then it matches up with the Pharisees, which is the reason this story was told in the first place. And it means that you need to examine your heart. Are there people that you don't want to see in this church? That's a question that I want every one of us to wrestle with this week. Are there people that we don't want to see in this church? That's a tough question. And if we'll be honest with ourselves, it might be that, yeah, we might find, you know what, there are some people I don't want to see here. And then hopefully the Holy Spirit will remind us that, you know, we were maybe in that crowd at one time too. 
maybe not socially or economically or what have you. But at one time, we were all estranged from God. But because of Jesus, He's brought us back. Because we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of His glory. But even though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if we've given our lives to Jesus, then we've been brought back. We have to make sure that we always stand in an appreciation of the, of the grace that's been given to us. And then we have to make sure that we go out of here and we show that grace and that love to everybody else. Lest we become people in the crowd who lose interest in Jesus. He calls us to something more. He calls us to show people His love and His grace and His mercy. And so if I was going to tie a bow on these last four weeks, maybe the Jesus point of all of this has been that God's love is open for all, sinners and saints. Don't deny entrance to the feast to anybody because it hasn't been denied to us. Over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk about the church. Probably a couple of weeks. We're going we're gonna to dive in and we're going to see what the church is. When Jesus told Peter, I'm going to build my church, we're going to see what it is. And we're going to talk about who it's for. Because it's for all, sinners and saints. And we can't be content to be the only people that know about Jesus. So take this story and wrestle with it. It's not an easy story. In fact, it's one that kind of smacks you right in the face when you sit down and you really take a hard look at it. I know it does me. But sometimes that's what I need. I need to be reminded of who I am. I need to be reminded of what was paid for me. I need to be reminded that the reason I live is not just because I live. The reason I live is because someone died for me, and that was Jesus Christ. I need to be reminded that the reason that I go to church, the reason that I give my money and I sing songs and do other things, the reason I do those things is because I'm so unworthy of what has been done for me. And that's why I do this. If you find yourself in the position of the younger brother, God's waiting with open arms to welcome you back. 
if you find yourself in the position of the older brother, you need to let God work on your heart. Let him chisel away whatever it is, anger, bitterness, resentment, whatever it is. Let him break away that hardness. And let him bring you back as well. Whatever it is, if we can help you, if we can baptize you into the name of Jesus this morning, why don't you come while we stand and sing?